Uh, before we get started, I want to say hi to Life Church Midcoast. It's good to be with you guys. Uh, Kim and Kevin, all the people up there in Midcoast, we love you, and it's just great to be with you. Well, we're starting uh, tomorrow morning is our first prayer meeting at 6 a.m. for the 21 uh, days of prayer. So we're starting a series just on explaining what prayer is all about. It is actually, if you get it right, it's exciting. It really is. It's an adventure. It's exciting. It's an experience in experiencing God, and that's what Jesus invites us into. Uh, Interestingly enough, what we call the Lord's Prayer, recorded in Matthew 6, started when the disciples came to Jesus. They actually were watching him pray. Can you imagine that? Just sitting there watching somebody pray. They're watching him pray, and after he got done, they came to him and said, Jesus, teach us to do that. Obviously, uh, his experience was different than theirs. Obviously, they had prayed before, and their experience was a little bit different, and they said, Lord, we don't pray like that. And it, again, you would only ask somebody to teach you something if it was an experience that you wanted. He was obviously experience. Everybody say experience. If I use that word less than 100 times in this message, I have missed the mark because that is the goal of the message because Jesus was teaching them when he started teaching that prayer was an experience. He carefully chose his words and the very first phrase that he taught us to pray dove about as deep as you can dive into experience. That's what prayer is. It is experiencing God. And you can't experience God and be bored at the same time. Those two things just don't mix. So Jesus taught us to pray. He, they, again, they asked him to pray, so he started teaching. And he began by telling them what not to do. I, there's a couple of verses above this that I've skipped where he's talking about people who would just vainly repeat words or just pray for show. Obviously, if you are experiencing God, or if you're experiencing anybody, if you're enjoying a conversation, you wouldn't just sit there and repeat words over and over again, hoping they would hear you. You would never do that. If you're experiencing somebody, you're enjoying them. So he said, don't be like them. Don't be like those people who are just kind of standing outside the door, repeating words. Connect with God, experience him, and don't just vainly repeat words because your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. And then he tells us to pray like this. And then with that, would you, in your bulletin, you have this 21 days of prayer. Over the next 21 days, this is just the Lord's Prayer broken down into some categories. I pray this pretty much every day of my life, and it's never the same twice, okay? And what Jesus was teaching us, some different categories, but he starts with that very first line. After this, pray like this. The very next words are this, our Father in heaven. Can we repeat this first line together? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. One more time, let's read that aloud together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Well, that very first line, after saying hello, just addressing who we're talking to, our Father in heaven, I mean, we all know that in prayer, we're addressing God. We've got that much, right? Well, the very first word he chooses, and and this word in the English, hallowed, is a perfect representation of the Greek word here. Hallowed is an interesting word. It dives about as deep as you can go, at least in the English language, into experience. What does it mean What does hallow mean? Well, hallowed is, first of all, it's a verb, which is interesting that the very first word Jesus chose to use in prayer was a verb. What is a verb? It's a word that's used to describe an action or a state of being. What is the state of being that hallowed describes? Well, it's hallowed describes a state of being in awe, a state of of shock or awe. When we think of the word hallow, the word, the, the word is most commonly used for us. At least once a year, we use the word for Halloween, right? 
And what is your goal on Halloween? Is it not to shock the bejeebers out of somebody? Is that not your goal? What'd you say, Pam? Uh, okay, I'm sorry. That's your goal on Halloween. That, that is what Halloween means. It's to, it's to hold something and it, to, be, to, to be in the state of holding something in a greatly revered, in awe state, to stand in awe of something. Or even, yes, to be shocked. Again, why, well, that's our goal on Halloween. Why does somebody watch the movie Halloween? Because you're a nut. That's why. That's the only reason somebody would do that. Somebody would sit around and say, you know, I just don't have enough trauma and insanity in my life. Hmm, how can I get more of that? Oh, I know, I'll watch Halloween. I'm not even going there. But anyways, moving on. That's not my point. My point is the definition of the word. This is Jesus chose this word because he knows that if you're actually connecting with God, if you're actually connecting with the real God, you're going to, you're going to have a certain sense of awe. You're going to have an, everybody say experience. An experience. Now, again, I want to take a few minutes just trying to help you understand the word hallowed. When you hear the word hallowed, again, think of, you've maybe heard this phrase, the hallowed halls of Columbia University. Why? Because if you were there, just pretend you're a freshman sitting in a classroom in Columbia University, doing what all freshmen do. You're on Facebook, you know, right in class, you're on your phone and And the professor says, do you know that Albert Einstein taught in this, he lectured in this very classroom? What would that do to you if you're sitting in that classroom and you realize, Albert taught here? Would that not, would you not think, I better put my phone down and pay attention? I mean, would that not create a certain sense of, everybody do this, go, that right there, that, that is what hallowed is. It's that moment where you're like, oh, in awe of something, all right? Let me try to illustrate it with this guitar. If I pull up this guitar. Now, at first, it's not too impressive until you realize that Tom Piquino has played this guitar. And that adds a little bit of esteem to it, a little bit. But what if I were to tell you that this is the guitar, the actual guitar that was used when this was recorded? Anybody recognize that song? (laughs) Stairway to Heaven. If you don't recognize that song, it's probably because you're not on the Stairway to Heaven. I question your salvation if you don't know that song. (laughs) Now, if, and this isn't, this is why hallowed is a challenging word to describe because it's challenging to find one thing that everybody holds in high esteem. Because, you know, for maybe about a third of us in here, that's like, oh. Man, if that were the guitar used to record that originally, you'd be like, you'd come up after the service and like, the guitar all of a sudden goes from a guitar to an experience. That's what hallowed is. It becomes a hallowed guitar. Now to try and make this guitar hallowed for the younger generation, what if this guitar were used to record this? You're insecure, don't know what for. You're turning heads when you walk through the door. Now, I have to be honest, as a 
Having just played Stairway to Heaven on this guitar, it's somewhat sacrilegious to play a One Direction song. Oh, Bill, that is, an, that is, an, is that not an insult to the guitar? Just need to smash. <laughs> but again, uh, you know, maybe that song for a younger generation might be more. And maybe if you, if you thought that, wow, that was the guitar they used again. But again, it, it is challenging no matter what song, because probably for about... 70% of us in here, you're just not that into music. And no matter what song I might say what this guitar was used for, none of it would create that state. But at least you understand what hallowed is. Hallowed is that when something goes from just ordinary to something awesome about it, something amazing, something shocking. Again, that's why they would call it the hallowed halls of Columbia. Because when you're there, you're like, oh, I better pay attention. Albert was here. It, it, it does, it creates that certain sense. And that's when the disciples were asking Jesus to teach them to pray. It's because they could tell watching him that he was experiencing something slightly different. And gang, if we miss this part of prayer, that's the very first word. I mean, after saying hello, that's the very first word Jesus throws out there. And if we miss this, now there prayer's a lot more than this. Prayer's a lot more than experiencing God. There's, there's some work to be done. We'll get to that in, in coming weeks. But if you miss this part, it's only a matter of time until you quit talking to God. If, if there's no experience, if there's no, if there's no amazement, no experience with God in prayer, it's only a matter of time until you quit talking. And if you quit talking to God, it's only a matter of time until you quit walking with God. And that's a fact. Prayer is something that we all need to grow in. Jesus knew in teaching us to pray, Jesus knew that as human beings, we circle around and keep coming back to again and again, experiences that we enjoy. How many of you have eaten the same food more than once in your life that you enjoy? Have you done that? Why? That's human nature. We keep coming back to things that we enjoy, things that benefit us. And that's what Jesus was saying in hallowed. He's saying, gang, you need to experience God because the truth is if we don't, if we don't experience God, it's only a matter of time until we stray, we stray away. It was just last week that Drew Johnson, you know, Kim and Gordy's son, Drew, he's just started college and he uh, connected with me last week. He said, can we meet pastor? He said, I want to talk to you. And just, just starting college, he says, my, my professors are challenging my faith and I just, I don't know what to think. So I, we're meeting tomorrow morning but I remember, I remember my first months in college and I had just come off a, a pretty radical experience with Christ and I was radically devoted to God. I was, I was in, all right? But I remember those first several months of college when I don't know about your professors in college, but my professors were professionals. They, they had carefully crafted lines designed to crush the faith of incoming freshmen. And I remember and I also remember kind of the aura that was there, the, the aura of the brains, you know. And, and to be cool in this environment, you had to be intellectual. And sure enough, as the months rolled on, I started to stray. I started to stray from my faith. I started to stray. I remember then I uh, got a girlfriend who was anything but a Christian. It wasn't long till I'm straying. Now, here's the, but here's the point. What was it that brought me back? Because there was only a few months there, and then I snapped back and got right back into walking that straight and narrow, loving God and enjoying that, you know, the Christian fellowship. But why did I get out of fellowship for a while? Well, well, why? But 
the question is, what brought me back? It was it devotion to duty. You know, a couple months into my party, did I realize, oh, I'm just devoted to the, you know, the duty of it. Was it, was it just my belief pattern? Oh, I believe in God. I've got to go back. No, that wasn't it at all. It was the fact that the farther I wandered from the faith, the further I wandered from God's will, it was an experience, something in my gut. There was something a lot deeper than a devotion to duty. It was an experience that I was missing. It was that presence of God, his peace, his joy, his presence. that had, It had become my daily bread. And it was, it was internal. It was emotional. And the farther I strayed, the farther I was getting from that. Here's the truth. Every one of us at some point in our life are going to stray. Has anybody ever strayed from the straight and narrow? Anybody ever had a week or a month when you've been naughty? <laughs> we have. We all have. So the question is not whether or not you're going to stray. The question is what is it that's going to bring you back? And that's why I think this is so important because if you don't get this, if you don't have a connection with God that is visceral, that is internal, that is, yes, even emotional, I'm not suggesting that if we have the correct relationship with God, every moment is this <gasps> in awe of God, that we're just constantly, I mean, could you imagine if that were supposed to be our state? We're supposed to walk around, <gasps> oh, <gasps> you walk into the office and say, what happened to Bill? <gasps> he, got, he got hallowed. <gasps> No, we're not, I'm, we're not suggesting, nor was Jesus suggesting that we're supposed to be in some odd state of emotional you know, overwhelmingness of God, but it is. We are supposed to, in prayer, have and, re, and refresh ourselves even daily with an emotional connection with God. Again, we're going to stray. Let's look really quickly at King David. King David, we know he had an amazing relationship with God. The most commonly mentioned character in the Bible. He had an amazing, the Bible, God even called him a man after his own heart, but we know his story. We know his great sin of adultery with Bathsheba. And, but the Bible records David's prayer when he was coming back. Now, what was interesting is this was a year. He was sliding for a year. I mean, this was a long, he strayed a long ways off. And at the end of that year, the Bible records his prayer as he's coming back to center. And interestingly enough, what is it that brings him back? Uh, David says this, I recognize my rebellion. It, everybody say it haunts me. Isn't that interesting? There's something internally in his psyche as he has been walking away from God. He feels like he's walking closer and closer to a haunted house. That's how he feels. It feels because he knows what it is to have the peace of God. And it, again, I, I will repeat this a few times if it doesn't become emotional with you, when you stray, there's nothing internally pulling you back. And this is, this is God's will that we have this. He says, I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. This is 3,000 years ago. And the Bible is perfectly clear that under the New Testament, we have greater access, or I should say the Holy Spirit has greater access to our lives. We can be filled with the Spirit in a way that David never could be. And 3,000 years ago, under the Old Testament, even David said, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He had an experience with God's Spirit that was, tan everybody say tangible. It was tangible to him, and he dreaded the thought of being without God's Holy Spirit. And then he finally says, restore to me the joy, joy 
the joy. I, there's so many different experiences. When you're experiencing God, there's so many different emotions. As I was preparing this message, actually it was just yesterday around noon, I'd you know, spent all week, as I often do, you know, preparing a message and I had it and I was, I was in love with it. Usually I am. I, I just think they're, I don't know if you guys ever enjoy these, but I think they're awesome. So I, I'm enjoying, I, if I don't please anybody else, I please myself with these messages. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm living it all week. And I got to about noon and I thought, and it really was, it was all about experiencing God and, and, you know, and having that internal emotion. And then I thought about noon, it hit me. Brian, maybe, you know, Brian, you're an introvert. And maybe your whole message is just wrapped around you and, and you feel that because you're an introvert. Introverts, we spend more time in our own head than we do out in the real world. Now, maybe that's just me. So I contacted a few people that I knew to be complete acts. And honestly, as I contacted them, I carefully phrased my question. My question to them was, do you emotionally experience God on a regular basis? I wanted to be very clear. And as I phrased the question, I was kind of nervous. I'm like, I could blow my entire sermon out of the water. If they come back to me and say, mm, you no, know, you know, I mean, he's real to me, but no, I don't emotionally. And the first one I, I contacted was my son, Luke. My Luke is, my Luke. My son, Luke, is as opposite from me as can be. He is anything but an introvert. I don't think he knew that he had emotions till his girlfriend broke up with him at like 18. The only emotion that he knew he had was joy. I mean, from the time he was born, even when he was crying in his crib, if you'd come into his room when he was crying, he had achieved his goal by getting you into the room and he'd stand up and, I mean, he just, so he's, he's no introversion. It's all out here for him. Life is just one big party. So I asked him, I said, Luke, again, I'm nervous. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe he's not gonna, Luke, do you emotionally experience God on a regular basis? And he, he was immediate. He said, absolutely, absolutely. And then I asked him, he could describe it. Okay, that's one. I said, who else is just completely opposite of me? I said, oh, Tom Pequeno. He's, he is my antithesis. <laughs> I say, Tom, do you emotionally experience God on a regular basis? Again, instantly, absolutely. And he could describe it. So I was like, oh, thank God. This isn't, this isn't something that God has favorites. And it's, this is not for a personality type. This is, has nothing to do with your wiring or your personality type. Because you could sit here and say, ah, you know, I'm just, I'm just not much, really much of a spiritual guy. Friends, this has nothing to do with that. Now, now I realize that we may connect with God in a hundred different ways, but it needs to become a connection that, that is a real experience to you that hits you somehow in your gut so that when, not if, everybody say when, when you stray, there's a hook in you. And you can run, but you will get to the end of that chain and whap. You're, you're gonna turn around because it's internal. It's in your gut and it's drawing you back. As David described, by the way, did David, I, I just said that, you know, introverts don't have, an, don't have an advantage in experiencing God. It's not, it's got nothing to do with that. But did David have any advantage in getting to the point where he had this kind of emotional connection to God? Well, I, I don't think any human being has an advantage, but David did have this. He had a 10-year period where he was living in caves because he was running from a king who wanted to kill him. Now, I've learned this the hard way that, 
That is an advantage. Now, it's not an advantage that any of us want, but this is the truth. 99% of us learn and develop that deep emotional connection to God in a cave, don't we? Uh, We wish it weren't that way. Now, can this be experienced when everything is glorious? Of, Of course it can. Of course it can. But usually where we find that spot that we, that we live out of for the rest of our life, usually we find it in a cave. And I promise you, if you have faith in God, and you wouldn't be here if you didn't, I promise you this. If you had to live for a cave in 10 years, for 10 years, every one of us in this room would come out of there with an amazing relationship with God. With an ama- he would be so real to us. He would be so tangible. Why? Because just like anything else in the world, what you exercise, any muscle you exercise becomes stronger. And for 10 years, that's what he had to exercise. He had to be dependent on God. He was, you get the point, he was in a position where he was, where he had to be dependent. So he exercised that muscle and he experienced God. So rather than, you, you, you have two options, all right? You can choose 10 years in a cave or 21 days of prayer. Which one is it? If you think 21 days of 6 a.m. is tough, just try, okay, you can opt for the 10 years. That's our prayer. God, anybody who doesn't show up, give them 10 years in a cave. No, no, no. Okay, I'm sorry. Nix that prayer, God. Nix it. I'm going to retract that one. Sorry. How many thank God he doesn't answer all of our prayers anyway? (laughs) If he had answered all of our prayers, uh, that's another sermon. But we'd probably be in a bad spot if he hadn't. All right. I want to continue just a little bit with David's experience with God. Again, this is before the Holy Spirit was poured out at, at Pentecost. He goes on in a different place, and David says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Everybody say taste. Taste? Did did David taste God? He's carefully choosing his words to choose words that are very humanly understood. And and this taste is an experience. It is a physical experience, okay? It's the reason you keep going back to food. Other than the fact that, you, you know, we need to eat to survive. If food didn't have taste, we probably wouldn't struggle with it so much, Right? But it does, and it, it pulls us, that, that taste. And David said taste. He could taste God. Here's a simple question. Can, can, does God have a taste to you that keeps drawing you back? Well, to David, he did. Now, I doubt seriously that David was saying he literally had a physical taste in his mouth. People said, you know, like, well, what does God taste like? Well, I can tell you it's vanilla ice cream. <laughs> I was actually talking to, talking to Compton, you know, the, the basis. He, he wasn't here this morning. Jerry was on the basis this morning, but you know Compton. Compton said that he God tastes like chocolate ice cream. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. For those of you who don't get the joke, Compton is darker than me. <laughs> but the point is that he might taste different to each of us, but God wants us to have a relationship with him. Now, it's not always going to be emotional. We're not suggesting that. But there there, there is that spot in our heart that we're tasting him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord. Now, isn't that weird that to people who experience God, you can go from saying the joys of those who take refuge in him to fear the Lord. How do you go from joy to fear? Because God is diverse. Any human being you meet has more than one facet to them, do they not? 
How many recognize God has more than one facet to him? And if you've walked with him for any length of time, uh, he has shown up in your world in ways completely different on different moments. And then sometimes his presence brings you nothing but joy. More often than not, it's that. But how many have had those experiences where you experience God and you realize, he's my judge, he's my creator, he's my judge. You ever think about that? There was a time when nothing existed but God alone. Nothing. There was nothing but Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There was was God and nothing. And everything that exists, everything came out of him. And, And he holds it all. And he is the judge of it all. And he created it all for a purpose. And when we don't, and the Bible's perfectly clear, we have, he's given us free choice. And if we choose to utterly reject, and he continues coming with his purpose, with his design for us. But if we choose to utterly, and we do it knowingly, if we knowingly reject his purpose for us, he is our judge. And that creates a certain sense of fear. And the Bible goes back to that again and again, and that's appropriate. It's one of those emotions that that should be created in your heart as you connect with God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to give you a few what I call common prayer phrases. These are just phrases, and I just thought of them just because these things, almost every day of my life, these just roll out of my heart. So I just wrote, wrote four, actually, yeah, four phrases down. And after I wrote them down, I realized that I thought these were mine. And then after I wrote them down, I realized every one of these come right out of the Psalms. So I guess I stole them from David. But here's the point I'd like to make out of that. The word of God, as far as prayer is concerned, it's like a diving board out into the spirit of God. And prayer is a, is a exercise in experiencing God in, in his spirit, not just the word of God, but God beyond the word, God, his spirit, the spirit of God. But the word of God is the diving board. That's what you walk out on. But you'll find if you walk out on the word of God, you can jump off to a safe place and you're going to find at the end of the word of God, the spirit of God. Isn't that awesome? Some of you, somebody here is freaked out. You're like, that sounds scary. No, there's nothing scary about it. Just close your eyes with me really quick. Close your eyes. I'm going to give you four phrases that just roll off my heart every day. I guess I stole them from David. Say this, say, God, right out loud. Say, God, you're my only hope. One more time. Say, God, you're my only hope. Now just sit for five seconds with that. Just repeat it to yourself and just sit there for five seconds with that thought. God, you're my only hope. Now, as you sit with that thought, normally that would sound, normally a phrase like that, if a phrase like that is spoken to your girlfriend, you're in a tough spot. If, if a phrase like that is spoken to a human being, that's a, that's a depressed statement. But we're not talking to a human being. We're not suggesting that, that every physical thing is against us and nothing. This is not a depressed statement. This is saying God... You are so far beyond. You are my creator. You are my source. And regardless of how good everything else is, my hope is in you. I have no hope but in you alone. God, you're my only hope. All right, here's your next one. Again, close your eyes and just say this. Say, God, I have no one else but you. Say, God, I have no one else but you. 
Say, God, no one else cares for me like you do. Say, God, no one else knows me like you do. Father, we just take a moment and just recognize that, God, you are our creator, our designer, and nobody else knows us like you do. You know things we don't know ourselves. You count hairs on our head. We, we can't even count them. We don't know. You know details of our life that we don't know. You love us more than we love us. And that we have no one like you. And there is no replacement. We cannot run from you and still have joy. God, you are our joy. You are our peace. You are the answer to every question. And it is through Jesus Christ that we come right into your presence and experience your amazing, amazing grace that never ends and will never end. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Here's the... Here's what I've been trying to say for 25 minutes. If you stop your faith journey short of an emotional dependent connection. I'll just stop right there because it is entirely possible to do. It is entirely possible to have a real faith. I've met people that I know their faith is real, but they stop short of it being emotional. They stop short of having, feeling comfortable saying such phrases as I've just shared. If you stop short of that, there will come a day that something bumps you off your faith wagon and you'll find nothing pulling you back. And if that sounds scary, it should because I've watched it happen too many times. It, you, you need to just keep digging for that. Just keep walking with him. This is not something that you create. These are not emotions that you have to create. If you'll just stick with him, if you'll just spend some time, that's what prayer is, just spending some time. If you'll just spend some time, he shows up. He's the one who creates the experience. But once, hallow, everybody say, hallowed be your name. Let's take that gasp and go, hallowed. Once hallowed, <gasps> once hallowed be your name makes sense to you, you can't stay away if you try. You can't. You can't. You're in. You're in. You're hooked because it's in your gut. And it's not a, it's not a church that's got you hooked. It's not, a, it's not a preacher that's got you hooked. It's not the people. All those things are important. But it's, it's God himself. It's his spirit. It's, it's Jesus himself that has walked into your world and created something so deep and so personal that that's what keeps you coming back. And that's why Jesus starts with this. Now, there's a lot more ground to cover in prayer. There's a lot of work to be done on the earth that he asks us to cover in prayer. But he starts about as deep as you can go, a deep as dive as you can get into just experiencing God. Let me just give you really quickly five or four ways that you can increase your experience because probably a lot of you are saying, all right, pastor, I'm hooked. I, I believe it. I want to grow. I want to expand my experience with God, even emotionally. Well, number one, how about joining us for 21 days of prayer? That's what prayer is, all right? So how about joining us? It is possible. At 6 a.m., life does happen at 6 a.m., right? It's possible. Get out of bed. Make it here, all right? Just enough time. We put it that early so you can leave and go to work, all right? Now, if you can't, we are going to be live streaming it. So if your schedule, and I understand, not everybody's schedule uh, works out for that, uh, join us online. 
all right? But jump in. The, the same form that we're going to be praying from is there. Take this with you. Keep this, uh, the sheet that was given you in your bulletin. We're going to be going through this every day. I promise you, it won't be the same every day, but uh, hopefully we'll give you a, a map, just a map to go down so that on your own, days from now, weeks and months, you'll pray like Jesus prayed. Join us for 21 days of prayer. How about coming to church every week? Not just when it's convenient, do you know we actually, believe it or not, I'll, I tell you, I do this. I know we as a team, we work hard to make sure that there is an experience here. I've learned this over the years, that there's a way to share God's word, that it's not just lecturing and just, just teaching some things, but actually trying to draw you into an experience. We're, we're trying every week to give you an experience with God. And you know what happened? If you just make a discipline that I'm going to show up whether I want to or not, I'm just going to sh- Say show up. I'm just going to show up. You know what? Then you don't stray so far. You start straying a little bit. You, you come, you're like, oh, yeah. If you got, if you, if, if you got bumped back weekly, maybe, you wouldn't, <laughs> maybe we wouldn't find ourselves in a ditch somewhere. And by the way, if you think, well, I'm just going to come to church, but, you know, I'm just, I'm just Mr. Devotion to duty. I'm going to do it out of duty, but I'm, you know, forget this, forget this experience, Pastor Brian. If you're bringing children and they're going downstairs, watch out. Because you might think you're just kind of bumping along here, but they don't have your reserve. They don't have your walls up. And when they're six, seven, eight, nine, and 10, they're down there, woo, hallelujah. God is, they're experiencing God. And that's what you want. You want them to do that. How about daily devotions? We, you, you hear us asking you this? The, you know, the, if you go to the links tab on our homepage, lifechurch.fm is the steps to sign up for Rick Warren's daily devotion. It is so good. Every day when I read that, I think, man, if, if every one of us just, just applied that, he takes just a couple of verses and he chews them up. And that's what meditating in scripture is. And it gives you an experience with God. If we would just, I, I think that every day when I read it, man, if everybody from Life Church just applied that, we, our life would be different. And last is attend those grow sessions. If you haven't yet, you can, you can stay, come back today at noon. Uh, attend the grow sessions. They really, they're explaining, there is a plan here. There really is a method to the madness. There is a wheel that rolls. On the back of the bulletin, you'll see that there's a, a diagram of transform lives, how it happens. And we break that down. We help you get involved in it and grow and experience God. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm gonna wrap this up. But friend, there is a thing called salvation, according to Jesus Christ. And it is an experience. There's, a, there's probably a hundred different ways to explain salvation, but here's one that is true. Salvation is when you go from belief to surrender. Almost, not everybody, almost everybody believes in a God out there. It's a moment when that God who you know is out there, starts knocking at the door of your heart. That's what Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. Salvation is the moment when you go from believing this God is out there to recognizing his knock at your door and realizing he, he wants to walk with you. He wants to come in. He wants to be one with you. He wants, yes, to be your Lord. He wants your life. But we inherently know when he knocks at the door, the only reason we don't rush up to it is we all inherently know 
that if we let him in, he's going to rearrange the furniture. He just does. He's going to change us. Don't be afraid of that. Every change he makes is for the good. But if you're here, nobody's looking around, but if you're here and you say, Pastor Brian, I'm there. He, he is, even today. He is, he's real to me. That's what, knocking at the door, that's what I mean. If you're sitting here and you just have an awareness, God is real. Christ is real. He's real and, and he wants me to walk with him. That's what knocking at the door means. It's just an awareness that he's real. If you're, if you're there right now and you'd say, I'm ready to say yes. I'm ready to say yes and just go all in and say, Lord, I want your will. I want to experience you. I want to follow you with all of my heart. I want to withhold nothing and just say yes to you. Nobody's looking around, but if that's you, would you just raise your hand right there where you're seated? Man, that's me. Praise God. Several hands that are lifted. Just to make these people feel, feel comfortable, let's all just repeat this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice for me. Lord, you are alive and you're here right now. Lord, I say yes to your will and to your way. I open my heart. I give you my life. Say, Lord, I want to do your will with all my strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that you do what only you can do and grant each one of these that has just opened their heart an experience with you, an experience that they can't forget as they walk with you. In Jesus' name.